So welcome back to the Isaiah Kid Podcast, another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. Um, <clears throat> I've been on like a little hiatus since my live podcast, but we got a lot to get into. We have um, the, the NBA All-Star Game. I'm going to talk about that. Uh, should Joe Burrow pull an Eli Manning or John Elway? Should he pull that off? I think so. I'm going to give you the reasons why. Um, we're going to talk about some draft things, and we got we got a few things to get into. So welcome back. Welcome me welcome me back um thank you guys you guys have been doing a good job of clicking also listen go back and listen to the live podcast if you haven't heard it um or listen to it go back and look at that um listen to that i advise you to um so without further ado let's go get ready Joe Burrow. <clears throat> you know, Joe Burrow's won a, you know, a long list of awards this this season. Uh he had a great season at LSU, won a national title a national title game at LSU. And he's done all these amazing things. And now, you know, Cincinnati, we all know Cincinnati has number one pick and Joe Burrow is the guy that they're looking at. And you ask this question, should Joe Burrow Paula John Elway or Eli Manning. And what I mean by that is, if you don't know what Eli Manning and John Elway did, John Elway, and back in the 84 draft, I think, back in the 84 draft, John Elway said, hey, I'm not going to Indianapolis. He said, he told the Colts, he told the Baltimore Colts, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going. I, I'm not going. And he's gonna, he threatened them to play, he was going to play baseball for the Yankees. And Eli Manning did the same thing about, 30 years later, where he said, hey, I am not going to the Chargers. Trade me. if I, I'm not playing if I go to the Chargers. So, and, that's, and this brings me to my point with Joe Burrow. And we all, on this podcast, you, all, you guys always know, I bring up matches and perfect systems. Systems that you need to be placed in. Matches. Location. I think Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. And we talked about this in the live podcast a little bit. Where we were discussing the top-tier quarterbacks in football. And I said, Patrick Mahomes is a great talent. But it also, it does help when, it does help a young guy when he is, when he's being coached by, when he's being coached by an offensive mastermind and Andy Reid. Or uh, he has all these explosive weapons with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. It does help, and with Joe Burrow, I, 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 no first before before he exploded onto the scene and had this explosive second half of the season. I mean, the entire season in LSU, but really 
the like the sec like when he went into the playoff game, like after that Alabama game, Joe Burrow really started to get national attention and coverage. And I and to me, and st- I still think this. I think Tua Tagovailoa, talent wise, was the most NFL ready quarterback. He had the arm accuracy, uh, elusiveness with outside of the pocket and inside of the pocket. Now, obviously, he's had some health, some health issues, and there's question marks with the health. But I still like Tua Tagovailoa. And before this, this before this magical season that LSU and Joe Burrow went on. Joe Burrow wasn't even looked at as a, as a like a prospect, and then he turns around the season. He has a big time season. He goes undefeated. He beats all the top teams in the nation practically, and he's turned into the number one. You know, in some people's eyes, the number one quarterback in this year's draft. But some people still have him ranked. Uh, respectively, where I think where he, that's where he's at. They still have him as the number two quarterback um, behind Tua Tagovailoa, despite the injuries. And I look at Cincinnati. Of course, last two years they have finished fourth in the division. They finished last in the division. Uh, John Taylor, Jack Zach Taylor. Don't know if he can coach. He's a young coach. I don't know if he can coach. And I feel like with Cincinnati, like Cincinnati, they, they've been bad all, I mean, they've been bad. They haven't won a playoff game since 1990. Their last playoff win came against the Houston Oilers. They're not even called the Houston Oilers no more. The Oilers, the Oilers knows, no longer exist. Carson Palmer, great quarterback, good quarterback. Got destroyed in Cincinnati. Cincinnati front office, a uh, bit of a loose. We have always had questions with Cincinnati's front office. I like, I, I, I really like uh, Marvin Lewis. I think Marvin Lewis is a good coach. But at some point in time, you got to win playoff games. And Marvin Lewis retained his job for a very long time. He, he retained his job for 14 seasons. And yeah, sometimes he'll win, you know, 10, 11 games here and there, but he never won a playoff game. And the front office stuck with him. I don't know what to predict with this Cincinnati front office. And this is why I think Joe Burrow transferred for a trade. It's, it's dysfunctional. It's poorly ran. Like, you know, there's, you know, ever since I've been living, there's been teams that are just bad. They are, they're just poorly ran. They draft bad, and Cincinnati's one of those teams. I think another team would be like the Lions. The Lions have been horrible. They've been god awful. Um, the Lions, they, they, you know, they, they, they've ran into some great time players and big time talent and some Hall of Famers, but their Hall of Famers walk away. They're, 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 the, 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 the Lions Hall of Famers retire early. Burry Sanders retired early. Calvin John, Calvin Johnson retired early. The Dominican Sioux, he left. He fl- he fled. He fled out Detroit. So I look at a, I look at an organization like Detroit and Matthews and I. You know, I, we t- I think I talked about this uh, last week. Um, Matthew Stafford in Detroit, he hasn't produced, and some of that is not all on him. Uh, I don't think I think Matthew Stafford he has great arm talent, but some of that is not on Matthew Stafford. 
It's just been historically what the Lions are. That is just what they've been. And I, I think if you put Matthew Stafford in a better situation with a better organization that's that's better ran with with stability at the head coach position, you know, that can provide him with the necessary weapons to be productive, I think Matthew Stafford's career would be much better and we would see him in a different light. But we don't see it. And some of it is on Matthew Stafford because he, ha- he has underachieved, like I said last week. But then some of it is just where he's where he landed. Number one draft pick, Detroit sucks. And Detroit, they've been bad for a very long time. And they've never won a Super Bowl. They've been bad for a very long time. It's been a long time since they win a playoff game. And it's similar to it's similar to Cincinnati. Cincinnati, bad, poorly ran organization, bad, poorly ran franchise, who hasn't won a like some, you know. I'm not saying go on a tremendous deep playoff win, but you know how sometimes you just stumble into playoff wins. Like you can just get a playoff win. You know, you you know you catch a break in your division. You know, you, you get hot one year. You you go on a hot streak one year, and you make it to the playoffs and you win a playoff game. Cincinnati hasn't even done that. So I think with 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 all of the with all of the chatter surrounded with all of the chatter surrounded with Joe Burrow. I think he, I, 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 you know, with a guy, a guy that's coming from a program like LSU, where he had all the talent in the world, five stars everywhere, five stars at every position, I think it would be a tremendous and a huge transformation and transition to, to go to one of, the, one, one of the worst teams in football. I, I think Cincinnati could obviously, they could use... Other, they can use help in other positions. And, like, the last two years, they've been really bad defensively. Like, historically, they've been one of the worst defenses in football, historically. So, Joe Burrow can't help that aspect. You need players on the other side of the ball. So, with Cincinnati, you know, and I know it's a feel-good story. It would be a feel-good story. It would be a feel-good story. Joe Burrow goes to Cincinnati. He's an Ohio kid. Grew up watching the Bengals. It makes sense, right? It, it, it makes sense sometimes, but sometimes that's not it. That that would make a great storyline. He'd be in the AFC North, but he'll suck. They'll suck. They won't win games. He won't be able to produce, and then we'll call him a bust. He'd be one of those guys who had a great season, college football, great college football career, and he just sucked. And Joe Burrow, I'm sure he doesn't want that. I think Joe Burrow. I think his ceiling is much higher than that. But with, I mean, if he goes to Cincinnati, that 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 that's ruining it. That's ruining it. I think we all, we, but we always talk about having the perfect matches, not not perfect matches, but matches, teams, coaches, quarterback that that just go together, that coincide with each other. I talked about it with Deshaun Watson on the live. I, I said, hey, I love Deshaun Watson. I like I like what Houston does with him. Um, now I think Houston they obviously have to do a better job with putting like the represent pieces around him. You know they haven't they they haven't drafted O line yet. They're not going to be able to because they have no first or second round picks in these next two year in these next two years in the draft. They have no first or second round picks, so they're not going to be able to upgrade their offensive line unless they do some off season acquisition. Um, you know Bill O'Brien, I sometimes question. I question his judgment because he has poor judgment at times, and I question it. 
I question his judgment. Like I'm be like I'm, I'm watching the games. And I'm like God, he's he, he's so bad. At, at times he's so bad with his calls and his judgment calls. He's bad. He's one of the worst in the league. But Bill O'Brien, I think he's wearing too many hats. I think he's wearing too many hats for 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 the Texans. And I you know I I know everybody loved Deshaun Watson. I like him too, but. He's going to be stuck there for a long time. And he's going to put up some good numbers because he's a wonderful talent. And he got some receivers to throw to. But Houston's not going to make any noise for the next few years. Houston's just not going to make any noise. They're not going to make any noise as far as Super Bowl contender. They might get to the playoffs, but they're not going to make no noise. So I think with Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, that situation, I think Joe Burrow, you got to pull up John Elway. Hey, I'm not, I'm not, if you pick me, if you draft me, I'm not playing. Trade me. I'm not playing. And he has a lot of leverage, you know, in this interview. Like he said, he said he has a lot of leverage. He has leverage he can use. I would use that leverage if I'm Joe, if I'm Joe Burrow. I'm using that leverage. Um, because with, with, with Cincinnati, it's just a poor franchise, a poor organization. And you, you, you have so many stories like that. Where guys, you know, talented guys go to bad organizations, poorly ran organizations, and that just has a that has a that has a big effect on their career. <clears throat> it has a big effect on their career. So, speaking of the draft and quarterbacks, uh, the Miami Herald. <clears throat> I reported on this on um, the Isaiah podcast page, but on the Miami Herald, <clears throat> they basically came out and said, "Hey." Tua Tungvaluwa is not as high on our draft board as people think. Hmm. He's not as high on the draft board as people think. And then they went on to say, hey, we, lo- we really like Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is like increasingly, he's, he, he's increasing our interest in, in him. So Justin Herbert, I like Justin Herbert. And I talked about Justin Herbert. I think um, he'd be a good quarterback. Um, I, think he'd be, I think he'd be a really good quarterback. I think with I'm, I'm going to get into Justin Herbert and then I'm going to get into Miami and what I think and why I think they're doing this. With Justin Herbert, he stands about six six, uh, big arm, uh, mobile. What's not to like about him? He has all the measurables. Uh, with 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 Justin Herbert, he looks a lot like Trevor Lawrence. Uh, very similar, very similar build uh, as far as the measurables and the arm strength and the accuracy and the mobility. Looks a lot like Trevor Lawrence. Looks a lot like Trevor Lawrence. Not Trevor Lawrence, but looks a lot like him. Um, played at Oregon with with Oregon. I don't know if you guys have been watching, but or you know what you all, you guys all know that if you watch college football, you know that Oregon doesn't have uh, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU type talent. They just don't. They just don't. They don't carry those type of guys, especially on offense, especially on the perimeter. Um, so he made. He 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 did. He put up. Some good numbers at Oregon, despite not having you know talent like Tua did and Joe Burrow did and Justin Fields had. He didn't. He he didn't have that talent at the receiver position at the running back position. He just didn't have that. They focused more on line play. Oregon. I thought I criticized Oregon a couple times this year where I was like, "You have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Why not use that? Use that to your ability." I thought Oregon ran the ball and they were too conservative. At times, too much with you know a big time quarterback in the country. 
that they had, they didn't use it all the time. They didn't use him the way I thought they should have used him. So I like Justin Herbert, and I think he's going to be a pretty good player. What Miami is doing is Miami knows the draft board. You, we have we we got we got a couple teams that need a quarterback, and I think I I can I can probably say there's about four quarterbacks that will go in the first round easily because there team there's teams that need quarterbacks. Three, I think for sure, I'm going to bet three quarterbacks go in the first round, but I, I I'm I'm pretty sure that four quarterbacks will go in the first round because teams this year, it's a, there's, a, there's a need for quarterbacks. And what Miami is doing is saying, hey, okay, we, we you know, we, we, we we're not, we, I don't know if they're not fully sold on Tua. I would be sold on Tua. Injuries don't matter. I, I mean, injuries, they, yeah, okay, they matter, they matter to a certain degree. They matter to a certain point. But, I mean, Deshaun Watson, he had injuries coming out of Clemson. Dude, they, they, he has... Two bad knees. Deshaun Watson led Houston. He's been leading Houston to multiple 10-win seasons, couple playoff appearances, and a playoff win. So I think, you know, injuries, don't, I don't, I'm not going to say don't pay much attention to them. They don't mean nothing. Not gonna, I'm not going to say that uh, because they can certainly carry over. But I think Tua, he has showed enough where he's NFL ready. Uh, he's, he's very Russell Wilson-ish. Very, uh, I see a lot of Russell Wilson qualities and traits um, with his, with mentally, how the way he plays, uh, you know, when he's mobile and when he's outside the pocket and the creativity I see from him. I see a lot of Russell Wilson. And, which, and I, you know, I don't know what, you know, Miami, I guess they got to keep the fans interested because it's a port city. I have this thing with port cities. Port cities, Miami is a port city. There's a lot of things to get into in Miami. Beaches. There's a lot. There's a lot of things to get into in Miami, and they gotta keep the Dolphins fans interested. They gotta keep them intrigued. What is the? What are the Dolphins gonna do in the first round? What are they gonna do with their first pick? Do they trade their first pick? I think they're gonna pick a quarterback, but who is the quarterback? And this is what the Miami. This is what Miami. This is what the Dolphins want. They want their fans to. Be intrigued, and quite frankly, I, I I get it. I get it. You want your fans to be intrigued. Um, Justin Herbert, not a bad. He's, I think he's gonna be a good quarterback. But you know, for my liking, I'm taking Tua. I'm taking Tua. If I'm Cincinnati, if I'm if I'm Miami, I'm taking Tua Tungavaloa. I'm taking that guy. I'm gonna take that guy all day long. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Miami's a port city. The fact you might know, the Dolphins. Front office, like, hey, we got to keep the fans intrigued. I'm for it. I'm for it. I'll be back on the other side. Kawhi Leonard. How good is Kawhi Leonard? 
And it goes back to my point with uh, Joe Burrow. And in basketball, it's not really the same in in, in football because in the NBA, one player can turn around a franchise and turn around a team. I we saw LeBron do it in Cleveland. So one guy can turn the whole thing around. He can turn the junk around. But if you know, once the guy leave, i.e., i.e., LeBron in Cleveland, uh, <laughs> it it can go it can go it can go left again, which it has. But Kawhi Leonard, how good is Kawhi Leonard? I think Kawhi Leonard is really good. But how good is he? Because LeBron, you know, you, and it's funny, you're speaking of, we're speaking on LeBron, but how good is he? You can look at a guy like LeBron. LeBron has always faced some bad ownership, bad organization, bad coaches sometimes. But his first, for the most part, his first seven years in Cleveland, it was poorly ran. Couldn't attract free agents. Couldn't get other star teammates. You know, coaches, uh, some of them were okay. Mike Brown was probably the best. But look at a guy like Kawhi Leonard. Who is... How good is Kawhi Leonard? If Kawhi Leonard does... No, so let's just think of this. If Kawhi Leonard says... Say, let's say, hey. If Kawhi Leonard wins another title, and he beats the Lakers to get there, and he beats Giannis again in the finals... How good is Kawhi Leonard? Where is he? where does Kawhi Leonard rank in all time matters and all time discussions? Because right now, I think just right now, Kawhi is one of the best two way. He's the best two way player in basketball when it comes to stopping somebody on the other f- side of the floor and then getting a bucket on somebody. Nobody does it better than Kawhi Leonard. Okay, so let's start right there. Nobody does nobody does it better than Kawhi Leonard. But we also have to see what he came into the league with. Got drafted by the Spurs. Gets drafted by the Spurs. We all know Coach Spurs, Greg Popovich. The Spurs are in the midst of their dynasty. He has Tim Duncan, Mono Ginobili, Tony Parker. He has all of these vets around him, surrounding him. The Spurs, as long as I've been living, they've been a rant. They've been a. a they've been. A franchise that's been well that's been well ran. So he's going to an A one franchise. No, stays a couple years. There's when he you know even wins a title and Finals MVP versus LeBron against LeBron. But then you know as y'all years go on, you know they they're never they're never able to get back to the finals. They're never able to have you know those deep playoff runs like they did in in thirteen and fourteen. Kawhi gets hurt, and we all know about the situation with Kawhi in San Antonio and him wanting to get traded. He goes to another team in Toronto where, yeah, Toronto hasn't been able to get over the hump, but that's called the LeBron hump, and that's called the Eastern Conference. When LeBron was playing the Eastern Conference, who got over that hump? Nobody. So he's going to a, he's going to a Toronto franchise that on a yearly basis, they win 50 games. They win 50 games. Toronto problem wasn't winning 50 games. Toronto problem wasn't getting to the playoffs. Hell, Toronto problem wasn't getting out of the first round. Their problem was they were running they were run up against LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals or in the second round. Either or. That was Toronto's problem. LeBron goes west, Kawhi goes east. There's really nobody in Kawhi way except Giannis. Then you have the 76ers. But who really believes in the 76ers, right? 
<laughs> Who believes in them? So, Kawhi goes to the Toronto Raptors. They win 60 games. They, they, you know, they, they get the two seed in the, in the um, Eastern Conference playoffs. They're, they're, you know, they're well in position. They're well in position to really do some special things um, in the playoffs. Beat Philadelphia, beat Milwaukee, and then eventually win the finals. Then he goes to, this offseason, the Clippers. Clippers, once again, um, historically, again, you know, when, it, you, when you compare them to, against the Lakers, they've been bad. You know, Lakers have 16 titles, the Clippers have zero titles. But these last few years, the Clippers, you know, with, lob, with the Lob City era with Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan, they were they they were some some people looked them in looked as them looked at them as a championship contender, but they were definitely playoff team. And then once that era passed by, and they brought in some young younger guys, um, they brought in some critical role players like um, Patrick Beverly and Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams. They make themselves a forty eight win team. Kawhi joins them. Kawhi's always been in perfect positions. He's always been in great situations with some good coaches. Kawhi's always had some good coaches. Kawhi has, Kawhi has had Greg Popovich, Nick Nurse. We can all see that Nick Nurse is a good coach in this league. He's one of the, he's one of the better coaches in this league. And then Doc Rivers. He's always, he's always, he's, you know, he's always been placed in some good situations you know, even though Toronto, you know, they won their first title, but Toronto's has been, they they've been really they Toronto's been relevant for these last few years, for the last like five years. Toronto's been very relevant in playoff discussions and playoff talk. They just haven't won the title. They just haven't got over the hump. Kawhi was able to get them over that hump. The Clippers have been they've been real relevant for the last five years. They've been really relevant. Just haven't been able to you know. The West is very deep. They haven't been able to get over that hump. And they might get over it this year. But we ask ourselves, how good is Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, it did take him a couple years to develop an offensive game or for him to be uh, a respectable offensive threat. But how good is Kawhi Leonard? If Kawhi, if Kawhi Leonard wins one more title, if he wins a title this year, how good is he? And where do you start to put him in the all-time list because he'd be the first player to win three titles with three different teams. Think about that. He's a two-way star. Two-way star. You don't see that much in today's NBA. You see a lot of guys who, you know, very offensively dominant, ball dominant, dribble the ball a lot, don't play a lick of defense, don't care about the defensive side of the ball. But Kawhi is a two-way guy. He averages 20 27, 27 and a half points. Where did you where, where do you start to rank him in all time rank? Where do you start to place him? Where do you put him? Just a question. <clears throat> Cause I, I, I do wonder if he does win a title with his third team with the Clippers, where does Kawhi go? Where do where do you start to, do you put him in that LeBron and Jordan stratosphere? Do you start to put him right there? Do you put him in that Larry Bird category? 
where, where you start put where, where do you start ranking Kawhi Leonard all time like rank? Because it, it would be very fascinating if he wins another title this year. Back to back Finals MVP, back to back Finals, back to back championships with two different teams. Quite interesting. <clears throat> Quite interesting. So speaking of Kawhi Leonard in the basketball. Gwellin won uh, All-Star MVP. Uh, I think it's it's now renamed All-Star. It's, it's now renamed the All-Star Kobe Bryant MVP Award. Named after Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant and Bob Patton, has the, they have the most um, All-Star MVPs in league history. Kawhi, Leonard, Kawhi, no, Kawhi won All-Star MVP. So, the NBA All-Star game. First, I know some people don't like the new All-Star format. I mean, to me, it's perfect. I do like East-West, but when you start to really like think about it, and you know, I know people like the bra- you know, the, they love the, the you know the bragging rights that comes with East versus West, but you start to think about it geographically, it just doesn't make sense. East-West, it don't make sense. Um, I and I I don't know how some people can say, hey, I don't like I I don't like this new All-Star format, but then say, hey. We should not have East versus West in the playoffs. We shouldn't have a Western Conference team and an Eastern Conference team going to each other in the playoffs. I just don't. I just don't understand it. But neither here or there, neither here or there, or, or you know whatever. But you look at geographically, it does not make sense. You look at a team like Memphis, who is improperly placed in the in the, in the Western Conference, but it's clearly. On the East Coast, look at a team like Milwaukee. Milwaukee, that, that's a that's a tougher argument because Milwaukee's like right dead smack in the middle. It's in the Midwest. They're in the Central Division, but you look at a team like Milwaukee. Are they East Coast or West Coast? I don't know. I don't, I I just don't know. So geographically. The East West thing does not make sense, and whatever bragging rights, who cares? Who gives? Who gives a damn? Um, this new format of the East West, I mean, with LeBron, Team Giannis, and Team LeBron, uh, this this been going on for about three years now. I think this is the third year where they did Team LeBron, Team whoever, uh, Giannis or Team Curry, whoever, and it's been, but it was really good this year. In the fourth quarter, defense was good, defense is well played. And it just goes to show, like, hey, LeBron came out with, you know, he, I, I knew LeBron was going to come out with a different type of effort. And it just shows you, like, the the influence that LeBron has on the league. Because LeBron came out and played hard. All 23 All-Stars came out and played hard. <laughs> this shows you the influence that LeBron has. You know, LeBron talks about, speaks about, speaks out on public, on political issues. You know, hey, some some players might start to come out and talk about some political issues. LeBron talks about meeting, you know, owning media outlets. Hey, Steph and Steph Curry, CJ McCollum, Kevin Durant, those guys have branched off into their own media outlets. So LeBron does have a big time influence on the players and the league. LeBron, you know, came out, played aggressive. Kawhi was. You know, Kawhi came out just shooting threes, nailing them. And I actually liked the All-Star game this year. It was really good. And it has something it, it's, it's, it has something to look forward to on a yearly basis with the new format. 
um, and this and, and the way how the game was played and being played between these All-Stars, especially in the fourth quarter. If you did not watch the All-Star game fourth quarter, it, it, if you wanted me to describe it, it looked like it looked like game five of a Western Conference semi-round. It looked like game five in the second-round playoff series. That's what it looked like. It, 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 it was, I mean, arguing, a lot of arguing between the refs. Refs made some critical calls. They had to go back and review. They had called a charge. It's, it was so entertaining to watch the All-Star game in the fourth quarter. Really loved it. I really loved it. Um, and it's just something to look forward to on a yearly basis now because the team, the players really actually care. And I can't, you know, I, I think um, I think I saw a former football player. I forgot. Uh, oh, no, Teddy Bruschi. Teddy Bruschi said, hey, he came out and said, I think, th- I think it was Teddy Bruschi. I said, hey, can we save the NFL Pro Bowl? And I'm like, oh, I don't know how you're going to do that. I don't know how you can play an all-star football game, um, unless, you know, without it being flag or two-hand touch. I just don't know how you can do that. Um, but with the NBA, it's a player-driven league. It's a play. It's always been a player-driven league. Why do you think the NBA is the only league? It's the only like I don't know if you guys know this, but it's the only league where they have an actual player as the logo. Um, now I know the NBA. I know the MLB has a has a guy holding a bat as the logo, but um, I don't think you can identify that as one as being a specific player. But the NBA, their logo is a player, and it's always been a player-oriented league. It's always been a player-oriented league, and that's what you look for um, in, the, in, in, the, in, in the NBA. You're going to always look out for the stars. You're going to always look out for the players. It's always been a player-driven, player-oriented league um, that it's most beneficial to the player. It's most beneficial to the stars, and it's it was really it was really 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 good to see the All Star game and see how competitive it got, especially towards the end with LeBron with Team LeBron happening to come back, um, and just all the the physicality, the defense that was playing being played, and like these teams were running like sets, they were running offensive plays. So it just shows you how serious the game had officially got. I think Nick Nurse did. I saw some footage of Nick Nurse on the sideline, like, yelling out the defensive assignments. It just showed you how serious they took this game. And it's it's really it's a really good look for the NBA. And, you know, with so, it was so much on um, this weekend. I know I keep mentioning college basketball, but it was some college basketball games on. The XFL... There was so many games. There was so many things to look at on TV. The NBA All-Star Weekend um, and the the game itself was really, it was really good and really competitive between Team LeBron and Team Giannis. That's big. That was big. Um, I think they really like saved the All-Star game because All-Star ratings had dipped. But now I think um it's it's the I think the ratings uh from the um All Star games a couple the All Star game a couple of days ago was about I think it went all the way up uh towards 2017 ratings the 2017 ratings were one of the highest rated uh All Star games so that's big for the NBA they really did their thing with that um I'll be back on the other side to give you some guys um some more news we're gonna we like I said we're gonna get into a lot today um. Got some other things on the docket. See you guys.
Okay, so uh, like a real slow uh, news week. Um, no NBA. NBA doesn't come back on what until to tomorrow, I think. Talk tomorrow or Friday. So slow, slow, slow news week. Um, NFL. We got, we got, you know, you got some NFL mock draft stuff. We talked about that a little bit. Um, talked about the All Star game, <clears throat> but then you know I saw a report. We're gonna get it. We're gonna touch. I don't want to hold you guys any much longer. Um, but we saw a report with. Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving and his sh- and his shoulder injury and him being hurt again, um and it's this this shoulder injury has been an injury that has held him out for just about most of the most of the first half of the season, and then now they're saying he's out indefinitely because the shoulder injury has gotten worse, and he is see he's gonna proceed to see a specialist. And this goes to this goes to my point about Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, I think I a couple months ago I said, I think last month, um, in January I said Kyrie Irving he's he often hurt, egotistical, kind of a weird thinker. <clears throat> if you know, if you want to be nice, a weird thinker. Um, he, you know, he made his comments about his teammates to the media. Um, I saw Kevin Durant's response to it. But he made his he he made his comments towards the media, not saying Kyrie is a bad teammate, not saying Kyrie is a bad guy because I don't think he's neither. I don't think he's either. But does you know you're looking at yourself and KD and him leaving the Warriors, him leaving Golden State for Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving, was that the right decision? And, when, and of course, we're not gonna be able to like be able to see if that was the right decision um, until next year, where they're both on the floor. Um, you know, when we both get to see them, because Durant would be what 31, 32, he'd be about 31, 32 years of age, um, coming off an Achilles tear. That 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 might be a problem. And then Kyrie Irving's health, can he stay healthy? Can't he stay healthy? We're not even talking about the basketball aspect of these two coexisting and the other pieces and players that they're going to have around them, how they're going to fit. We're not even talking about that part yet. But as far as KD and Kyrie, health is an issue for both because we're all, we're all going to be paying attention to how does Kevin Durant return? How does he look after the the, the Achilles injury. We're gonna be all looking at that, and then we have Kyrie. He's he, he's had some health issues. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, he's always dealt with some nagging injuries throughout his career. So we we still have questions about that. And like I said, we haven't even gotten to the basketball aspect of how do they look with the other guys around them, the role players, the Joe Harris's of the world, uh, the Spencer Dinwiddie's of the world. How do they look with those guys? Uh, Curtis Lever- like, how do they look? Who do they move? Do they need to make a move? Do they think just adding Durant to that mix that they have already, is that enough? So it's we got to see what Brooklyn does in the offseason. What do they do with their draft pick? Because I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. 
with Kyrie being out now, uh, I, I just don't think they make the playoffs, but they do play in the Eastern Conference, so they can still some way, somehow sneak into there. But if they if they just they fall short and they don't make the playoffs, what do they do with the draft pick? What do they do this summer with the monies that they have? Because I don't, I don't think they have much cap. Uh, with the Durant contract, the Kyrie Irving contract, and the DeAndre Jordan contract, I know those three contracts alone are taking up some space, like a a good amount of a good amount of space. So we got to see what happens there with that Brooklyn situation. But it just often makes it, it you know it makes me think back. Hey, and I know Curry's hurt, but Curry, um, but outside of his ankles, Curry was you know throughout that five year stretch and five year run. Curry was available. He 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 wasn't health wasn't a problem. So and it, it seems like his ankle, like his ankle injury, his ankle pass injuries that he had in the past that were uh that were troubling. It, it, those don't you you rarely see those anymore with Steph. <clears throat> so and I know he's hurt, but that was a freak accident. So with Kyrie and KD. You sometimes just question and looking at where, you know, the the standpoint where Brooklyn is. And now with the rise with Milwaukee, Milwaukee with Giannis and that roster that they have built. Um, we don't know the future of the 76ers. The future still lies what they can do in the postseason. Um, you know, we got teams like Miami who are going to try to go after Giannis. You got so there's so many moving parts that can happen within the Eastern Conference, uh, going into the going into next year. But it just often makes you think, hey, he left all he left a, a stacked team, um, with 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 Steph and Clay and Draymond to go join Kyrie in Brooklyn. You wonder how is that going to fare? Because we because the the big thing is Durant wants to establish Brooklyn and he wants to win a title with the Nets. So that's gonna be uh that's gonna be something that we look out for that we watch, um but we you know we can't ha- we can't answer those questions right now, obviously because they're not on the floor neither of them are, are on the floor, so there's something to watch. Also, the Clippers made another move. They made another move to get Reggie Jackson. The Detroit Pistons bought out Reggie Jackson. The Pistons went on, added, and signed Reggie Jackson. I think they're planning to sign Reggie Jackson. Um, I know. I just I, the Lakers. I'm not. I don't think the Lakers were going after Reggie Jackson. I don't think Reggie Jackson was on their radar. I don't think it was one of those Markeith Moore's situations. But once again, the Clippers make another move. They get deeper. They add depth. This is why I think the Clippers. I I, I just think. It's going to be too much for the Lakers to overcome um, if they do face the clip in the Clippers in the post in the postseason, which we all think they will. Uh, to, you know, that's their road to the finals to get to the finals. They have to probably beat the Clippers in the conference finals. Um, I just don't think the Lakers will have enough uh, going up against the Clippers. I think the Clippers have better depth. They got better coaching. Um, and Frank Vogel is a good coach, but. Doc Rivers is a Hall of Fame coach. Um, they, they got perimeter defenders. They have multiple guys that they can throw at LeBron. That was my whole point during the live podcast when we were mentioning, when we were talking about NBA Finals predictions and, and championship contenders. I'm like, hey, I got the Clippers. I'm taking the Clippers to come out, come out the West. They have this, 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 and that going for themselves. 
Um, they're two and zero against the Lakers in the regular season. I know it's the regular season, but they're two and zero against the Lakers. Um, and the Lakers are doing a hell of a job. LeBron's playing phenomenal, but I just don't think with the amount of shot creators and playmakers that the Clippers have and that they will have on the floor at once, I think it's too much versatility on the offensive end and defensive end. Like I said, I think the Clippers, they could have the trade deadline and doing this like buyout period where teams are buying out certain players and teams are, you know, and it's allowing other teams to like pick up these guys. Yeah, the, the Clippers could have went out and traded for a run protector or traded for a seven-footer or signed a seven-footer to bring in to protect the rim. Yes, because that's still an issue. But when you have so when you have like so many good perimeter defenders and guys on the perimeter that can defend, that's willing defenders, hmm, I don't think you worry about rim protection because it's going to be really hard for you to get to the rim. There, It's going to be hard for you to get to the rim. So in order for you to get to the rim, you have to buy you have to go past those rim protectors, those ring those those wing defenders. And I think the Clippers have you know, they have really good wing defenders. I just think it's too much for the Lakers to overcome. Now, Les LeBron and A D they go like berserk and they average thirty and they're able to put the Lakers over the over the top and put put them over the hump. Okay, the Lakers do have a shot, but you know, I just don't I just don't I just don't see it. I'm sorry. And now with this move, I don't think Reggie Jackson, I don't think Reggie Jackson is um I don't think he's gonna have like a, a tremendous impact on the game or when uh, when he when they play the Lakers. I don't think 'cause that's that's all the clips are doing. They're just loading up for the Lakers. That's all they're doing. They're not loading up for Denver or Utah or uh, Houston. They're not loading up for them. But they're 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 loading up for the for the Lakers, and I just don't think Red Jackson have a big a big impact. But it does just go to show you the aggressiveness the aggressiveness of Jerry West and in in Balmer, and they, they they're really aggressive and they want to beat the Lakers. They want to like humiliate the Lakers. So I don't think they're gonna humiliate them, but I think they can win a six or seven game series. Then they can win those seven or six games against the Lakers because I I just don't think the Lakers have enough um, shot creators on the on the on the perimeter. When LeBron goes out, I just don't think the Lakers have enough offense, enough generated offense um, on the perimeter from their guards. Like I said, I don't, I don't have to go into I don't have to go into the real spill, but you you guys if you watch the games, well I would encourage you to watch the games. When LeBron goes to the bench, that Laker offense it takes a dip. Even with Anthony Davis on the floor, so yeah, um, that's it. That's it. Uh, like I said, we had, it's a it's a slow news week. We got some. You got some key things. I know everybody's talking about the Houston Astros. Before I wrap it up, I know everybody's talking about the Houston Astros. I think, and I I think I I talked about the Astros um on multiple on multiple occasions where with their cheating scandal and their cheating. When they, they got caught cheating, I talked about it. Uh, it's bad. It, it, it's really bad. And a lot of players, you know, teams, of course, the Yankees, the Dodgers, 
those are the teams that have been that have been like the most in the news attached to this Astro situation because those are teams that they have um either beaten in the World Series or they've beaten to get to the World Series. Um, that's that was those were the two teams that they beat um in their 2017 run. So it's bad. Um, and now <laughs> it's just so funny because. We, you know, we get, we give it, we give a lot of heat to these commissioners. We give a lot of heat to these commissioners. I remember, you know, there's a certain point in time where Roger Goodell was the worst commissioner in sports, and now, you know, three months ago during the China situation, Adam Silver was under a lot of scrutiny, and then now Rob Manfred is being called the worst commissioner in sports. Um, and you know, I think, yeah, I think, you know, looking at the, the, looking at the Astros, like punishment and situation, uh, they should have got like a, a, like a strict punishment. They got, they should have like, they probably should have stripped them of those banners. Now I've heard other things like, Hey, the Dodgers should be awarded the 2017 world series. I'm not going to go that far, but the, this, the, the Astros should be stripped of their titles. Um, this is cheating. This is cheating. Uh, to the fullest and highest extent, um, and I just I just think the Astros, the you know their their fans. I think some of their fans. I mean, hell, we might next episode we might call some Astro fans. We might get some call-ins from some Astro fans to see how they feel about um, this Astro situation. I wonder, and with spring training coming up, I wonder how some of the fans react to the Astros, um, the Astro fans. We I think I. I we can all pretty guess. We can all guess that uh, fans around the world, friends around the country, um, excuse me, um, are gonna feel some type of way about the Astros cheating. But I wonder how the Astros fans feel. I think they'll probably feel disrespected. I think they feel ashamed to be Astros fans. Uh, but that whole thing in Houston, it's bad. It's really bad. And you know, so I've you know I've been listening. I've been reading some baseball writers, you know, they've been saying, hey, you know how the steroids was such a big thing in baseball. They're, I mean, and even though steroids was to a longer extent because the steroid period went on for about 15 to 20 years, uh, or well, after, you know, after they first caught, you know, the steroid thing, it, it went, it then would go on for 15 years. So, some NBA and some baseball writers have been comparing it to the steroid uh, scandal, and they're saying it's even worse. Uh, and I would agree. I would agree. I think it's worse. I, I, I think I think it's worse. Cause I look at a guy like Barry Bonds, where Barry Bonds was a guy that a multiple-time Golden Glove winner. Barry Bonds, skinny Barry Bonds, was already he was setting himself up to have a Hall of Fame career. Now, you know, as he got bigger, he was just he just became the guy that hit a lot of home runs. But I think Barry Bonds, even without we even without the steroids, I, I think he's definitely still a Hall of Famer, one of the best players in baseball. He just got bigger, took steroids, and he started smacking a lot of home runs. But I think he's obviously one of the best baseball players in the world. Um I don't I think you I don't think you can take that away from him. Um he, Despite the steroids, he was all. I think he was setting himself up, and he already had a Hall of Fame career. He just added some home runs to that resume that he already had. Uh, with this 
scandal with the Houston Astros and the and, you know knowing the pitch count and knowing what pitches were coming, I just think um, the Astros they. It, to know to know what pitch is coming, cause to hit a, a, a fastball, to hit a curveball, to hit to hit certain balls, you have to a slider. You have that that takes a lot of skill. That takes a lot of hand eye coordination, and and for, for you for a, a for a professional hitter, a professional baseball player to know which pitch is coming, it's definitely beneficial, and it certainly does help. So I think it's I think this haste and Astro thing it's it's worse. Um I, th- I think it's worse than uh the, the steroid era in baseball. Even though the steroid era the duration was longer, but I, I just think this is just bad for baseball and it's bad on the Houston Astros. And I do feel sorry for that for the, the that twenty seventeen Yankees team and the twenty seventeen Dodgers team. Because you do have their stats and numbers. I threw them out there when I first talked about the Houston Astros, but their stats and numbers where the 2017 Astros, they set a lot of hitting records in the postseason, in the World Series. So it, you, you can't tell me that it did not help them. It did, they did not benefit from it because they did. Because there's, there's numbers and they have broken records to prove so. So um, I'm gone. See you guys. <clears throat> it's been good. We're gonna. Um, I know I've been on uh, like a hiatus since the live podcast, but it's been a, it's been a slow news week. Um, we finally get some NBA towards the end of the week. See you guys. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for clicking once again. Also, go check out the live podcast. That was really well. That was really well put together. I really enjoyed that with the cast that I handpicked. Um, I think um, I think you guys will enjoy it. And see you guys. Always remember two choices, one decision. Thank you guys for picking this platform, picking my platform to listen to me talk about sports. Thank you. Two to two, two choices, one decision. Out. See you. <clears throat>